Yeah. I um I got all everything. I'm up to level four, guys. Nice. Um, but it's it's fun. It's cool. It, it's um. I just realized why there's guys in the comic strip are named Frank and Ernest. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that, that never occurred to me before. <laughs> good, to, good to know you got your head in the game here. Yeah. <sighs> Can't write this stuff. No. Nope. So you just nope. got to let Riff write it. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 125 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast uh, that we're apparently recording tonight. How's it we going, guys? Get, we should get that started. Uh, we, we saw at the restaurant there were uh, there were some shirts that I objected to. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so the back, on, on the back of the shirt of this Mexican restaurant, it just says, uh, excuse me, it's the frijoles. On the uh, back of the shirt. And I, I'm. Because on the front of the shirt, I don't think it would make as much sense. No, it just says Manuel's Mexican restaurant. Right. Yeah, no, well, right. Because, excuse me, it's the frijoles like, I stuffed into my what? dick eye. <laughs> In case you're wondering why my genitals are the size and shape of a pineapple. Um. Those those are bad beans, guys. I'd like to, I'd like to uh, tell everybody in the audience, you need to stay beans. away from the brown beans. <laughs> I guess they just call them pinto beans. The kind that you're not supposed to stick in your dick eye. Black beans are fine. Mm. Yeah, why the fuck does your shirt say a thing about farting when you're working at a restaurant? Like, how is that okay? <clears throat> I am I am sure that the genesis of it is somebody thought it would be funny or clever to make a shirt like this that they would sell. You know, because people would totally buy gag gifts for other people. And then because the company owns them... Now they want to promote them, and so they have workers wear them. <laughs> this is a restaurant that hires a, a full-time animal balloon bender. She is She is the last full-time. balloon bender. <laughs> She's only there on Wednesdays. So. And I don't know that they hire... Do they pay her to be there? I assume think? that they pay her to you be there. You don't think she just works for tips? Yeah, I don't... I would guess not, but I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone give her money. I don't think that I've ever seen her give anyone a balloon. Okay. That isn't true. She's never given us a balloon. She offered, though. Sometimes she says hi. Yeah. Um, we got shown a magic trick by our substitute once. That's true. Um, used to be a guy would play the guitar and sing real badly. We stopped going on that night. I was just about to say. <laughs> um, yeah. So what have you been up to, guys? Besides eating Mexican food? Yeah. Sorry, I'm out of gas. I got up way too early, and then I had a bunch of drinks, and so now I'm just like, fuck this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Uh, Jenny and I recorded what may either be the first or only episode of a, of a, a Saints Row 2 Let's Play. We'll, Isn't we'll she simultaneously doing a Saints Row 4 Let's Play or uh-huh. something? Wow. She's all Saints Row all the She's time. She's a Saints Row fan. All, all even numbered Saints Rows. Uh... So I'm assuming in a single episode you did not finish the game. No. Okay. <laughs> we uh, we we uh, we went for a fair amount of time and then got a, there's a a mission that involves chasing down somebody in a car in another car and trying to kill them. And she was having Wait, so trouble with ca- that. Is it like so one of those of steam. Uh, trucks that carries cars? Is we well, her character, she, I guess, because the a character car. is modeled to look like her, is driving a car, 
and in her car chasing a man who is in a different car. Oh, so like in her car, she has like a PSP and she's playing the PSP version of Saints Row 2 chasing a guy in a car in a van. Something like that. Okay. All right. See, you should have me on your Let's Play. This is the kind of lully commentary <laughs> that I would provide. Lull. <laughs> in the conversation? <laughs> I was just letting it happen. Okay. You had to, you had to lampshade it. Um... So we have uh, we have some exciting news that Kevin will share with you. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we are uh, going to be exhibiting Word Realms at Indiecade. Uh, we were one of the official selections this year. Ooh. So that's cool. Not a nominee, uh, but an official selection. Yeah, which means a different thing. Oh, okay. It's a weird. It's a weird. Uh, so not up for any potential prizes. we're not up for any of the super prizes we're not up for any of the real prizes we're up for the we felt sorry for you dipshit um awards i just assumed they were they were all the dipshit no no like i won two grammys an emmy and a dipshit that's what what do you get if you what do they call somebody who's won an egot what's an egot an emmy a grammy an oscar and a tony if uh, you're an egot if you've won one of those so this would be like an Edgot, if you've won an Ed, an Emmy, a dipshit, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Well, that's a lot of different awards. Because mm-hmm. it's what, musical, it's like theater, TV, movies, and music. I don't know what a Tony is. So I think it's for theater. Tony What's a, is music, is it? It's a musical theater? Any, is it any theater or just musical I don't theater? know. What's Am a I? Clio? Is that for commercials? Yeah, Clio's yes. like advertising award. That's one that no one should care about. The public shouldn't even know about that award. You think? Yeah, I think. The I I saw some compilations of like the best ads of hmm. you know, like a, the the nineties or something like that, and some of them were really, really good. There are, I mean, there are good ads out there that are just Regardless of the product they are Sure. Showing, I mean, they're, they're, it is possible hmm. for an advertisement to be a, a good composition, but... Did you see that uh, the Guinness ad with the wheelchair basketball? No. It's really good. You should, uh, you should check it out. Is it drunk wheelchair basketball? Uh, well, there is drinking involved. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that. Uh, anybody who's going to be at IndieCade, yeah. say hi. Yeah. I don't know what that... Uh, I don't know what that uh, event is like yeah. from a public point of view. No idea. Um, we've never been. Yep. We're going to find out. Sadly, that means we don't get to go to the uh, Portland Retro Games Expo. Yeah. So I don't get to bro down with Cole Ross. Yeah. Which well, makes me you know, sad. Uh, maybe he should have thought ahead and gone to Indicate instead. Well, maybe I should have thought ahead and made a worse game. <laughs> oh, I couldn't have made a worse game than Word Realms. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, that's the attitude that we really want to have yeah. going into a festival. Self, you can stay at home. Self, uh, I, I'll just stay at home and self-deprecate. <laughs> Whoa! What else? You What else you been up to besides getting award-winning games into award ceremony festivals? Uh, just planning uh, Kingdom of Loathing's tenth annual convention. Yeah, it's fucked up. Tenth annual. There's ten of these. Mm. Yep. The first one didn't really count. And the second one, I didn't do. What do you mean you didn't do? I didn't really put it on. I guess that's true. It was sort of like a picnic that somebody else was having that, that you sort of... Is, am I right? Yeah. And then I was just like, hey, let's just say that this is the official one and I'll pay for all of your spoiled meat. <laughs> well, what was the first one then? Just a party at his house. It was house. like a party at my house, yeah. Okay. We, went to, we went to the Asian restaurant. Um, 
there were, I don't know, there were like 15 people. Some mm. people came in from California. Some people came in from Texas. Um, that makes it a convention. Yeah, I guess. See, but that's, that is how, like, super awesome and retro, uh, not retro, uh, organic your uh, process was, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was classic. No pesticides. It was a classic yep. process. Yeah, no pesticides. It was a xiphoid process. Did you say xiphoid or xiphoid? I said xiphoid. Okay. Zaphod. Zaphod. Zaphod process plex. Um, is that where you see all your movies? Yes. <laughs> Two at a time. All of your Sam Rockwell movies. I saw a Sam Rockwell movie. He only had one head, though. Hmm. Um, well, wait. If, was that movie Moon? Because he had at least two heads in that one. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, shit. Um, bunch, uh, no, it was it was another movie by the same director, Source Code, and uh, I met Jake Gyllenhaal, and he had more than one arm. And, spoiler alert, Jake Gyllenhaal in Source Code has zero arms. Uh, um, does, he, does he really have no arms? Yeah, I think he doesn't have arms. Huh. Is it better to have no arms or no mouth? I don't know. Do you have to scream? Or do you have to, or do you have to do some curls? Um, okay, I can see how uh, your task at hand would. Do you get to cause... say farewell to your arms before they go? <laughs> not if you don't have a mouth. Oh, that's true. Well, no, you were asking which is worse. Oh, I'm assuming that it's not yes. like I think both is yes. clearly worse. Yes. Okay. Have you guys done anything exciting? Mm. Not really. I feel like nothing has Watch happened since too the last much time we did salty show. bet. Stand. Yeah, what the fuck? I, when I got up this morning, Jenny was awake yeah, having Jen, played Salty Bet. Jenny all night. got it's into it. Played so. having played Salty Bet. It's a yeah. betting game. I mean, if you yeah. play, if you play a slot machine, you play Salty. Okay, bet. all right. I mean, there's some there's some tense situations. You get <laughs> you you bet on the crazy looking MS Paint goblin hoping to to get a huge upset and win thousands upon thousands of Salty bucks, and then it goes a 2-2 tie and goes into the, the fifth overtime round and gets down to the wire, it gets exciting. I'm telling you. <sighs> okay. I mean, did you bet your entire salty fortune on this? I have several times. I am in the salty mines, as they say. So that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, does everybody just end up back in the salty mines? Uh, yeah, I mean, eventually if you bet poorly. <laughs> okay. And this, this, this salty cash has no actual real nope. world value. Nope. It's, no, it's, it's like not translatable points. into anything. The, um, I mean, if you, if you donate like four bucks to them, they make you a preferred member, which means that your minimum amount of salty bucks you can have at one time is 666 instead of 20. Okay. So that, I mean, that's, that's, that's the only place at which money Real money touches salty money, so. So it's worth six hundred four, yeah, six hundred and forty-six salty bucks. Something like that, yeah. Per four dollars, <laughs> or whatever it is, okay. I don't know offhand. But I mean, you can't cash it out. For no, that. it's not like that's a big win. Okay. I don't, I, you know. I mean, I do get it. I get yeah. like, I'm I mean, not going to get into it, but I understand right. how. It's the same sort of excitement as watching a regular sports event. I feel like. Yeah. I've never experienced that kind of excitement, so... You've never, like, watched a Super Bowl? No. Hmm. I don't really understand the rules of football, and no amount of explaining it to me over and over again helps. Hmm. 
It's not that complicated. Uh, That's what people keep saying. But then every time they explain it to me, it just goes in one ear and out my ass. I like baseball. I think that's not exciting. Mm, Sorry. It is the free holies. You say basketball shirt. No, (laughs) basketball is the uh, basketball is the most boring game. Okay, but you understand. You think basketball is more boring than football? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Basketball basketball only has two board states. Everybody running left, everybody running right. Okay. There's How about basketball versus soccer? Um, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say cuz and football, all of them American football. Uh all of them they're all basically are, the same game, right? Like yeah. hockey moving a yeah. moving a ball back and forth. Hockey's the same game with a puck. I mean there's Just, there's a couple of like fine-tuned bits here and there, but yeah. In basketball, there's not very many fights. True. There's never a basketball game with a fighting uh, mini game. Okay. Uh, except for Arch Rivals. <laughs> double dribble. No, that didn't have a fighting mini game. <laughs> oh. Just had to. to I just some, like saying it. I know you do. It just had some black and white dunks. <laughs> um, I think that this is digitized photos in a Nintendo game. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blades of Steel was where it was at. Then they had a weird like. Overtime, uh, it's like whatever the whatever the hockey equivalent of a free throw is. Um, is there a hockey equivalent of a free throw? Yeah, you get like free shots. It's like a it's like a uh, what do you call it? Sudden death. Um, uh, like something that happens when the game goes into overtime, and it's just like, all right, well, you get three attempts like from this line to get a puck past the goalie. Hmm. At least that's the way it worked in the video game version. Okay. Did the video game have fights? Yeah. Nice. It did. Later on, they removed fighting mini games from hockey games. Huh. Somebody probably made just like murder hockey. <laughs> Isn't murder ball just like that? I think that's a movie from the 70s. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> anything with ball in it is from the 70s. I thought that, that was that's a m- much more recent. Invented. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a much more recent. Spaceballs. M- movie mm-hmm. about, yeah. about uh, wheelchair basketball. <laughs> No, it's murdered ball. It's just ghosts playing basketball. <laughs> is it a ghost basketball? Or do they have to train with that dude in the subway to be able to, to manipulate the physical ball? It's just, they keep just like, people are throwing pots and somebody just goes and grabs the pot and throws it across the room. Oh, I thought you were going to say someone runs up and dunks a basketball into the pot. It's an invisible basketball. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, you got to unpack your invisible basketball. Yeah, it's it's 2005... Wheelchair rugby. No. Y- yes. No, it's what? not. <laughs> yes, it is. None of those words are real. Okay. <laughs> Have you guys been playing any video games? Murder Ball? Uh, the I played... Atari version. Super hot. Super hot. So, okay, go ahead and tell us about this, because I have no idea. I also played super... That is, so, in my notes yeah. for what you've been playing... Super It hot. just says super hot. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it is a... It's a Unity game. Uh, you are a dude... Uh, wandering around in this very sort of uh, monochromatic world, uh, but time only proceeds forward when you move. Okay. Uh, and so it the game ends up being a lot about dodging bullets, basically. Um, but it's it's all right. You you like can run up behind dudes and and sort of whack them and get their guns and then shoot people and dodge bullets it's, if you stand still time proceeds very very slowly okay so it's not like you can just like it's not like the game's on pause but uh is it 
whenever you're moving at all or whenever you're moving like linearly? At all. Okay. So if you just jump straight up and down, the bullets move for the duration of the jumps. Well, if you jumping up and down, if you, I could imagine a situation where time went backwards if you walked backwards and stuff like that. Yeah, like Like, in braid. In braid, yeah. Yeah. Okay, like that was not really a clear backwards in a three D space, though. I mean, hitting the three. Oh right, hitting the back. Okay, button. (sighs) But I mean, then you could do crazy tricks where you were walking backwards toward a thing. Sure. What is this antechamber? Sure. Um, so yeah, I played super hot. It's very short. You can play the whole thing in like three well, minutes. A demo, I think. Well, but, sure. Yeah. The demo is very short. Uh, and then I, the only other thing that I've been doing, cause I've been, I've been working most of the time. The only thing I've been, uh, I've been having a cookie clicker running on the, mm-hmm. in the background. Uh, it's like a game. Yeah. I, I went back to it cause they had, they've been spending a bunch of time doing updates and stuff like that. And it still just does not have the appeal of candy box. I wonder if. What was that? What was that game that was like the original one of those? The just Progress Quest. Progress Quest. Do you think yeah. there's anybody who's been running Progress oh, yeah, Quest absolutely. all this time? Yeah. I wonder if. I wonder if that's interesting. There at are all. leaderboards. I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. Progress Quest was not interesting mm-hmm. to me, at least. I mean, Did you know, remember? It, the, was there, was there any interaction with Progress Quest stuff. at all? Like, no. No. Okay. Yeah. So then that's like this, this, at least there is some strategizing that you can do. You know, you can plan out your purchases. You can, at some point you get access to these golden cookies that start appearing and you can make those more common and those become the best way to actually increase your cookie yield. So it's like the, I guess clicking is a really good way if you wanted to just click all the time. Uh, but then the golden cookies become the the primary thing. I mean, I'm really interested in systems and systems design, so I'm I'm I want to know how all of these things play out and want to know the math behind them. So. But there's so little. There's only one thing, you know. But there isn't. There are there are probably a dozen systems at work. Because there's a bunch of, but they're all just multipliers and multipliers no. of multipliers and multipliers of the effectiveness of other multipliers, which are all just you know commutatively multipliers. They are, but they interact in interesting ways. There's multiplicatively. Um, some there, of them, I guess, some of them divide by numbers less than one. Is there anything you do with these cookies other than use them to get more cookies? Not really. Hmm. That's I mean, that's the thing, right? Like it's theoretically dungeons are coming, and who knows whether those will be more compelling or not. But yeah, I mean, Candy Box was you clicked on stuff at the very beginning, and then it was mostly just like. Figuring out all sorts of new systems that would un- unfold themselves, mm-hmm. and they were dr- dramatically different, each each and every one, and that like that was what was super compelling. And this is, even after several weeks, it's still mostly just deciding from a very sort of overall view, like what you're going to spend your cookie resource on. I think that you're going to lose out by spending all of this time paying attention to it now before it consists of anything. What do you mean by lose out? You're gonna you're gonna burn yourself out on the idea of it before oh. it becomes something that's worth paying attention to. Well, that's possible. I mean, I played it to the end of its content once before, when there was way less content. Um, so who knows? It has frames. That shit's old. Yeah. Bogus. Are they real frames or are they just different sections of the screen in flash? Uh, they could be fake frames. Or I guess it's HTML5. They probably. could be iframes. 
eight E frames. Yeah. That's where I got my glasses. Okay. Well, I get the lenses from E lenses. Did you, did you actually go to a place called E frames? No, I went to Costco. Okay. And then I melted my Costco card, but still worked. They just have to look at it. They're okay. like, that still works. So you could have just had a piece of plastic with your name handwritten on it and the Costco logo. Yeah. Like and just melted drawn it. in. Yeah. Like, sorry, the, sorry. The Costco logo looks like it's drawn in Sharpie. It melted. Okay. Uh, yeah. In other news, Arizona's fucking hot and, uh, you leave something in your car and it just melts. Yep. Yep. I got to remember to not leave any pens in the car because they pop. Oh. Uh. Yeah, wow, that sucks. Bad news. Yep. Uh, what what have you guys been playing? Super hot. I played... Cookie clicker. Uh, I played part... I don't know. I don't have a sense of how long the game is, so I don't know how far I am through it, but I played a first uh, few sections of um, Amnesia 2 Electric Boogaloo. Uh-huh. Uh, it's... Riff. Uh, what? <laughs> you I, know What? I think it's but, hilarious that you are so desperately trying to make a Machine for Pigs the new Electric Boogaloo. I, mean, I figure Machine for Pigs is everything else. It's every other sequel. Okay. And so you're just you're going back to the old school mm-hmm. for the for the for the the game that actually started the new school. Right. Exactly. Okay. So it's a it's a it's pretty good. I guess if I to describe it, I would say that imagine imagine the guys who made Dear Esther played gone home okay and then the guys that made amnesia said to those guys hey make the next amnesia game for us okay so it's so there's no enemies and it's not all there have not yet been enemies uh based on what i've i've read in uh reviews there are enemies eventually but not very many of them and not nearly as many as there are in amnesia one i mean is the idea that by having fewer of them they're much more frightening what? and or Weren't there only like four or five enemies in? There were. I felt constantly plagued by stuff in the original. I thought there was only one. There was like the one monster that was lumbering around in the dark in the first part of it. And then when you're in that weird hazy room with all the columns. There's the monster in the water. There's multiple metal dudes. And then there's the other one guy in the water. But I, I don't feel like I don't feel like amnesia had a had a surplus of of individual enemies i felt i felt like i was always in danger of yeah i always i felt like there's there was always an enemy wandering around in the level it was like the same enemy all the time well no like i thought of it as like an antagonist rather than like a bunch of okay goblins well i what i'm talking about then is instances of danger from an enemy okay is much fewer and also they've they um they knocked out a lot of the systems that I feel like are probably what made amnesia interesting to a lot of people. There's no sanity. Uh, the uh-huh. you, you have a lantern, but it doesn't run out of fuel. Um, there, wow. You don't have the tinder boxes to turn lights on or if you choose to. Um, so it's really much more Dear Esther slash Gone Homey in that you're wandering around this spooky mansion or (laughs) this is a game about (laughs) pouring malt liquor onto different (laughs) yeah grounds and you and you you don't play that um but but, um but yeah i mean wandering around creepy factories and houses and stuff and reading documents that you pick up 
and the story and they're all about syphilis. Then not yet. There, I I haven't got. It starts out with you looking for your two kids who have apparently wandered deep into this disturbing factory complex, and it's not been made entirely clear what the factory does yet at the point I'm in the game. But it's it's becoming clear that it something's really fucked up in here. I think Porpentine did a guest chapter, and so one of the machines for pigs is for cutting off their dicks. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, sure, you don't you don't want a pig dick in your bacon, right? I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> you don't knock it till you've tried it, right? I mean, there's probably pig dicks in some kind of sausage. I mean, there's probably a kind of sausage that is just a pig dick. <laughs> it's a delicacy. Yeah, in some countries, sure. But, um... So, do pigs even have dicks, or do they reproduce via the cloacal kiss? <laughs> they just bud like slugs. Slugs don't bud. <laughs> I don't. Uh, uh. But anyway, yeah. Um, it's 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 not as scary to me as Amnesia was. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I may actually finish it. It it seems to be hitting that margin for me that Silent Hill two and three did, where it was. Scary enough that I didn't want to play it, but not so scary that I couldn't overcome that out of willingness to see how the plot developed. Okay. Uh, so that's good for me. I don't I don't know how fans of the original Amnesia are going to feel about these changes. Um, Would you characterize yourself as not a fan of the original Amnesia because it was too scary? Yes. Huh. Yeah, it was it, it was too much for me. I'm not good. At, I don't. I don't gain pleasure from being frightened the way some people seem to. I don't know that I gain pleasure from being frightened, but I like that was such an impressive feat that it was more like, oh, I I appreciate what that game yeah, was I, able to do. I respect Amnesia. I just couldn't bring myself to play it. Ending was real stupid. You get on these jump pads and shoot rockets at a space baby. Oh, hmm. yeah. I thought that, how, that that was just how every game ended. It is, yeah. And then depending on where you shoot the space baby, uh, giant explosion is one of three colors. Right. And then I think there's a leaf, and Seth Green is like, "What's up, dude?" <laughs> like the new <laughs> ele- electric car. <laughs> the new electric car. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's neat. It looks really cool, and it's scary, but not as scary as the first one. And I mean, the deer restaurant environments were so amazing looking. I'm kind of curious how, yeah. how they, their interpretation. Would you, would you call them amazing looking? I mean, I, maybe you got a low threshold for amazement. It was really, there was the caves were kind of cool. The I mean, caves were cool. You didn't that... feel like the landscape was incredibly low poly? Yeah. Okay. Low res textures, yeah. Bad frame rate. I think yeah. you shouldn't have played this game uh, in links. I think that was probably a bad choice. Yeah. Atari links. Yeah. I played it on the links. I yeah. was playing it on my phone while I while I shot some shot some golf hoops. Yep. Um, ghost golf. Wheelchair golf. Huh. How would that work? I feel like it would be just like normal golf. You just wouldn't need more of, more of an yeah. oblique angle. You'd need different. Different you'd either clubs. need like little baby clubs or you'd need like weird bent clubs oh, or, or oversized wheelchairs the ball huh okay what do you hit it with a you giant club 
Okay. You or you're push sitting it as in hard it as you can. It, really, it's just, it's not like wheelchair golf is what they call just competitive throwing yourself down a well on yeah. a wheelchair. Or throwing somebody in a wheelchair. Down oh, I think a well. Paul Rudd always plays that clip on uh, the, the late night TV shows of that kid from Mac and Me playing wheelchair golf. <laughs> it's a pretty good clip. Hmm. <clears throat> Speaking of moving along at a good clip, um, so my my life for the last week or so, I think this is just what this is just what life is now. Every day, I do the Hearthstone daily quest, yeah, and then I do the Spelunky daily challenge, yeah, and then I work until it's time to start drinking, and then I drink until it's time to start sleeping, and then I that's just repeat. Huh. Do you have any interest in? Um recording your spelunky videos for the spelunky adventurers club i don't explorers club i I don't know i mean i'm not good enough at it for those videos to be interesting i don't think and i also if you could create funny commentary i don't know that i could create funny commentary i like to play while i play having watched a bunch of people do hell runs i'm like it seems easy (laughs) (laughs) to watch people do hell runs Yeah. yeah it probably is it probably is easy kevin I've still never beaten Spelunky even once. Like I, okay, I fairly routinely get to the uh, late jungle levels on the on the daily challenges now. When I play four or five games, just practicing, maybe two of them I will get to the caves, and then one of them I will get to the end temple. But I'm not like I've yet to really internalize the way that the hazards and stuff work in the last temple and so it's just do you do you in your practice runs always start from the beginning you don't you yeah don't but, well, because you just get man or you're just so much better off starting from the beginning because you get so many opportunities to get power-ups mm-hmm. but on the other hand you don't get as many opportunities to learn about the later levels yeah, I mean, I only have I have the first two shortcuts done. The, the shortcuts in the new version are mean. Really? Yeah, because it's like you you have to get to the end. And it's like the first one. It's like oh, I need a bomb, and then the next time he's like oh, I need a rope, and then the next time he's like I need a shotgun. I forget what it was. The first the first one's not a shotgun. The shotgun is for key? the second run through. Um, I've heard he needs a key at some point to, to, yeah. for the last one. So you have to start from the beginning to finish that. The, doing the shotgun, the key doing the, the, yeah, you have to carry the key from Jeez. one of the one worlds to the end wow, of the, the key, three. The keys only exist in yeah. the one. Wow, yeah. I did not know that. One one stage of of world one. Hmm. Yeah, and like you can't always get to it. Well, you so. theoretically can always get to it, but I don't know if that's true. I think sometimes it might be in a place where if you didn't get lucky and get any extra bombs, you just can't get to it. Who knows? I mean, maybe you always could get to it if you knew where it was from the beginning, which, you know, you don't. Right. I guess unless you're playing the Daily Challenge. Right. Every time I've made it to the black market, I've gotten killed in the black market because I'm always looking at something other than where I'm going. Huh. So that's pretty fun. Had a really promising run today, ruined by uh, just uh, accidentally getting into, like, a loop where a fucking tiki trap knocked me unconscious and then hit me three times and killed me. It's... Those, those ones, the spikes that come out the sides? Come out the sides, yeah. That sucks. I have a hard time surviving levels that are dark. Okay. Um, I have a hard time being any good at video games. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically that's basically what I have been playing. Uh, it seems like a, I have not played hardly any Spelunky at all. It seems interesting, though. It's on my list of 
games that I am compiling that are that are or are going to be on Vita so that I can judge when the margin has been crossed when I should go ahead and buy one. But we'll see. That's good. Hearthstone, man. It just continues to be awesome. I'm continuing to play it every day, even though I know that all of my shit is going to get wiped oh, right. when the beta ends. Just doing the daily quests and getting all the stuff is just sort of exercising the futility. It's not, though. I mean, the, so the reward, you know, you get the gold. First you get the gold, and right. then you use the gold to get the arena pass, and then you get to have a super fun time in the arena. Okay. You know, I haven't seen anywhere to unlock the arena pass. Is that, Do you have to unlock all the decks first or anything? I think yes. Okay. I think it's on the main menu, but you have to you have to have gotten every because you it's it's weird. There's no reason for this to be like this really, except for I feel like they were just like, "Oh fuck, we didn't think of this." Um when you go into the arena, you choose one of three classes, and I think that it might use your access to the basic cards from that class mm. as a as a as a gate to what it can mm. give you in the the draft i mean it's not really draft because you're not like passing it right it's more like a drift <laughs> um that doesn't really make any sense even now that i say it out loud <laughs> like even as a sentence like what was i even trying to say there but yeah you have to you have to have unlocked every class in practice mode to to play arena at all okay um the arena is where it's at though yeah, that's where the fun happens because okay. you get to play with crazy ass cards. I got like there was one the other day where it was like, ah, now you get to pick one of three like legendaries, and there's uh, there's a there's wow. a fun there's a fun uh, there's a Leroy Jenkins mm. who is uh, he has charge and fairly high uh, stats, but he summons a bunch of whelps on your opponent's side of the oh wow, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, there is a legendary that reduces the round timer by half. Hmm. Which is kind of funny. It's one of the one of the chrono dragons or whatever. Um, Both sides. Yeah, yeah. Just turns huh. the time limit on just, which almost never becomes a factor. I mean, it's mostly there so that somebody doesn't just stall. Yeah, just time out. Yeah, make shit boring. I had I beat one of the dailies because I started a game with somebody and they just immediately conceded and it counted as mm. a victory for the class that I was supposed to win one. Huh. Where is the button that lets you do that? I found the thing that you can click to say things at your opponent. The little gear down in the bottom, there, when you're in a game, concede is in okay. place of quit. Ah. So I'm having a lot of fun with it, though. You know, cool. It's like a thing that is super fun to just play two or three games of a day. It's, I mean, I kind of like it, but mostly it reminds me of how excited I am for Hex with all its PvE content. So I don't, I don't find the PvP matches to be all that interesting. Hmm. Did either of you guys uh, see anybody playing Eldritch at all? I got mad because everybody on my Twitter feed was like, oh, man, Eldritch is so much fun. I'm playing it and I love it. And I was like, I'm buying this because it's like, buy this and you get early access to the beta. And I was like, fuck yeah, early access to the beta on this game that everybody seems real excited about. And I bought it and it was like, eh, someday you can play this. Stupid. It turns out what they're playing is the alpha or something. I don't know. Turns out what they're playing is some special version of the game you get if you're special. It looks like it looked like in the first five minutes that I was watching it, some sort of crazy Minecraft, yeah, just like a mod Minecraft or something. Mod. Um, but I think it is. I think it's it built on its own sort of voxel tech kind of thing. 
Um, although it does have a destructible environment, and you can sometimes place blocks, but it's pretty rare. Um, it's it's got the yeah like sort of crazy Lovecraftian style enemies, but they've got different interesting mechanics. There's these really creepy lizard statue guys that if you have a line of if if they have a line of sight to you and you're not looking at them, they uh, just teleport right behind you and do two damage. Well, like those things from Doctor Who. Yeah, the Weeping yeah. Angels. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's th- those are guys are tough and terrifying. Um, lots of just creepy floating eyes and ten- giant tentacle monster type things and stuff. Um, but it looks cool. It's like each there's like a progression. It's it's a roguelike, but in a 3D like first person shooter sim space kind of thing, and you are le- wandering through these levels trying to get down to the bottom of each sort of little mini dungeon to collect a sort of a, an orb. And if you get all three orbs, then it unlocks a final level where you are trying to travel upwards to get to the exit. seems cool. Yeah. I, I, great. You would, you would play it if you could. I sure, I sure would. <laughs> What's in the news, Kevin? Well, uh, in addition to Indiecade, um, let's see here. Steam, uh, announced a an interesting program today um, called the F- Family Sharing Plan or the Family Sharing Beta or whatever, where you can authorize another computer to play your Steam library if you're not using it at the mm. time. If you're not using Steam at all, if yeah, if you are, if you're using a game from your library, it locks the other person out of that game or of, of, their, of your entire library. Hmm. Um, but then I mean, they can play on their own account. I think the way that they describe it is, let's say I'm playing a game on your library, like I'm borrowing a copy of your game effectively, and you log into Steam and start playing something, um, it will give me like five minutes to get out of the game or buy the game to keep playing, which is interesting, right? Like that's a, an interesting way of mm, yeah. potentially like encouraging people to, to buy games. Um, a uh, couple interesting sort of crowdfunding stories. Um, Star Citizen, which I, I don't know if you remember us talking about a couple of months back. They had a Kickstarter, and they also were doing a sort of crowdfunding on their own site. Um, I think they, they made like two, a little over $2 million on Kickstarter. Um, but they have just con- been continuing to accept money for the game that they're making for the past many months and are now up to $18 million in crowdsourced funds. Um, which is way more than anything else I've ever heard of, um, which is great. You know, they're they're making this really involved space sim that sounds like it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I hope it's good. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, right? Like they just released uh, the hangar module, which is like a sort of alpha, sort of hint of like what the game is kind of like. I think you get to like wander around and check out ships and stuff like that. It's the that. portion of the game that the butcher usually keeps for himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so that's like an awesome success story of crowdfunding. And then the... Well, I wouldn't call it a success story yet. Well, it's an awesome success story in terms of of the amount of funding that they've been able to raise for this game, right? Like they're, they're clearly working on it. They're, you know, they're releasing content uh, that they're updating all the time. Um and that's then, one thing I want out of uh, my crowdfunding uh, is, projects yeah, is frequent updates. updates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
on the flip side uh oh hey that starcraft universe uh, yeah that starcraft mmo funded good, good so that's pretty cool the alternate universe starcraft universe game whatever i don't i don't really understand how it's gonna work technically sure um but i guess i get some shit cool <laughs> i gave him 50 bucks wow i get a like a pet a battle pet yeah like some kind of mount cool <clears throat> Zerg. Uh, so that gridiron thunder game that i i mentioned last week uh in the news which i was sh- just sure i like didn't even think about it i was just sure it was just gonna get shut down because it just yeah it seemed so clear that they weren't actually being like upfront about things or whatever and it just got worse like when we talked about it i think it was at like maybe a hundred hundred thousand dollars of funding by the time it ended it was a hundred one hundred and seventy thousand dollars from 180 backers and um like a significant fraction of them hadn't chosen any rewards at all <laughs> like if you there were like i think there were eight people who designated that they wanted the ten thousand dollar reward and if you removed those guys and you uh and you just removed everybody that hadn't chosen a reward, there was only like $10,000 pledged hmm. to the game. And of that, two of them were also $2,000 pledges, which seemed pretty suspicious. So if like $6,000 total pledged to this thing from like from visible pledges. And so the rest is just these weird, extremely high value pledges. And, you know, I'm, I am guessing that what's going to happen is they're just, it was a bunch of people that they knew, um, family or friends or whatever, they had them put ten thousand, like ten thousand, ten thousand dollar pledges on their credit cards, and and then, and then cancel them. They're just gonna, they're just gonna refund them, and yeah. then but and then but then they, get, and then they take the fifty thousand from Ouya. Well, no, they take one hundred and seventy thousand dollars from Ouya. They, oh, it's really? matching dollar for dollar up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. They get. Oh, okay, I I forgot that I forgot what the limit was. Yeah, I was thinking it, the limit was no, 50. no, the lower limit is fifty thousand uh, dollars. Okay, okay, which is what which is one of the things that people are upset about uh, in the indie dev community. It's like so many of these games that are new and cutting edge are from relatively small time independent developers who there's no way they're going to get $50,000 of support on Kickstarter and $10,000 for them would be a huge windfall and would allow them to do so much more. Um, Yeah. But I mean, Ouya is not trying to, Ouya is not trying to single-handedly raise indie game development as an art. They're trying to make money. They're right. paying for exclusivity. So if you're the kind of dude who can't raise 50 grand on Kickstarter, you're probably the guy who can't sell 50 grand worth of games on Ouya. So it makes no sense for them to... It makes no sense for them to do the paperwork to to, to match that. I mean, they just decided... I I, they've decided the threshold at which their marketing effort it, it makes sense okay. for them. I mean, but if that's true, then why don't they care that someone effectively just... Like got one hundred and seventy thousand dollars of their money. We don't know a, that they don't. I mean, they have they have just been, they have their public face has been nothing but like approval of the of of Gridiron Thunder, right? Like they yeah, seem yeah. There's, yeah, been, they, there's been some, I've seen some blog posts from some super angry people and some people now, like taking their games off Ouya off of Ouya, yeah because of because of the they just don't the trust PR the company reaction anymore. to this yeah maybe this, those $10,000 backers so... are actually Ouya employees who just see this as a way to get a copy of their own money without having to pay taxes on it again <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah 
I, I, the, the other thing that is frustrating to me is the number one, the, the, within the year long sort of pro- process of this, this thing being available, as long as there are funds available and the million dollar fund, uh, the one that makes the most money gets an extra hundred grand. So it's possible that this company just made $270,000 by having what looks like sort of a, a, a Kickstarter campaign that wasn't above board. Uh, yeah. It's that, that it just clause doesn't even make any sense. None of it really makes any sense, well, right? Well, because it's true. like if you if you are a company that can raise a bunch of money on Kickstarter, you probably don't need the matching yeah. funds from Ouya. So it like it like very little about this program seems to make sense, right? Like they were in, they're in trying to incentivize sort of mid-range like game development on the Ouya with the, and they say that it's, it's you know geared towards indie devs, but like It's geared towards indie devs because a budget of less than a million dollars is indie, basically. Okay. Like it, it, it's fucking ooya marketing. I mean, they're they are spending money in a way that gains them exclusivity, which they have to be operating under the assumption is going to earn them the amount of money that they're spending on it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. No. Assuming. Or they would just be donating the money and not not demanding exclusivity. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I don't think that I don't think that they expect to make a million dollars by doing this program. So I don't think that that's actually what they're hoping to do. You know, I think that they were trying to. Why would there be strings attached to it if they were just trying to donate money to? I don't think I don't think devs. they're trying to donate money. I mean, they are they are trying to get games onto Ouya, right? They're trying to get people to buy Ouyas, right? That's what the ex- exclusivity is from. I don't think that they expect people to to buy that many games. They just want to have some some games. They that, just want people to buy games at all. Well, they want people to buy Ouyas. Yeah, so but Ouya costs less game. than a game, and Ouya costs less than like a tin harmonica. Uh huh. Anyway, I think that I'm. I, I think that the the fund is is just ripe for exploita- exploitation. Yeah. And I okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a harmonica company. Yeah. And I'm going to offer to match Kickstarter funds up to seventy five cents uh, for independent musical artists if they agree to release their song exclusively on my tin harmonica. Okay. The one tin harmonica that you own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I play it uh, down at the train station. Okay, I sit on a piece of cardboard. I yeah, I came up with a scheme that I think is pretty pretty reasonable, and I hope that somebody uh, does this. I, that they somebody makes a new game, mm-hmm. um, gets it into the you know free the free the games fund program, does a Kickstarter, gets twenty five of their friends and family to pledge ten k, so mm-hmm. they get they get to the maximum limit of the thing, and then they take that money, they like refund all the the ten k donations, they. You know they recoup their costs because you know Kickstarter takes five percent. So there's like there's some real costs, and they're also going to get taxed on the Ouya money or whatever. Um, but then they have this fund of maybe two hundred thousand dollars left over, and they they then give that to indie developers, <laughs> right? No strings attached, just little like five and ten thousand dollar grants and stuff like that. I think you're that, you're a real Robin Hood. Well, I mean, yeah, because. Like this fund, I think, is doing the opposite of what they want. If they're being, if they're being at all honest about what their what their intentions are. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I can't prove this, but I suspect that this gridiron thing is not going to produce a game in the end. Well, it has to to get the money. 
Oh, okay. The game, the game, the game is coming out like in a week. Yeah, the game was okay. a week away from. Like, was then about. What did they need to as money they for? They don't need it. They are just getting it. That's that is what is frustrating about this riff. That's this why is everyone nuts. is so upset about this. This is weird as hell. It is. It is somebody who is like, oh, we're about a month away from finishing this game. Why don't we? Just put it on Ouya for six months and get a ton of extra money because we have a bunch of rich friends. I don't think I've heard anything about the Ouya ever that sounded like a good idea. Really? I've heard the Towerfall is good. Oh, yeah? Okay. I'll give you that one. I mean, I, the idea of a of a cheap console that is hackable and that and, is really easy to develop for and, and stuff like that. play shitty Android games on your TV. Well, I mean... You can make other games, right? Like that's what they're hoping to do is to get is to get a bunch of people excited about making Ouya games, right? Like, yeah. Anyway, that's enough depressing shit. Uh, <laughs> there's new iPhones. Yay! You said enough depressing shit. Um, yeah, I'm I'm, new I'm excited. Thumbprint thing sounds pretty. <laughs> crazy yeah I'm, i i saw somebody say that they're uh, but the nsa is really excited about all the new <laughs> fingerprint data they're gonna be getting <laughs> from apple <laughs> um it's got actual sapphire in it that's neat like a real like sapphire emerald sapphire sapphire yeah gemstones the front panel of the thumbprint thing is made out of like a seven nanometer thick wafer of emerald or, or sapphire rather really yeah that's weird I wonder why that is the case. I don't know. Maybe some combination of strength and uh, like cla- dexterity. Well, I'm gonna say clarity, <coughs> like constitution. Maybe it, maybe it, it is good for for reading skin oils off of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I got in the news front. So does that thumbprint just replace your um, iTunes password? Uh, not your. Well, it might. Ma- your it lock, might do your iTunes your password. Lock it's your. Screen? It's your lock screen. Yeah. It's your. It's your authentication to use your device potentially. Does. Is there ever. Any reason. To, lock your phone like that. Um, Melissa has to lock her phone. Because she, the phone has an app on it now that she uses to get into work stuff, and there's a bunch of confidentiality laws that she has to comply with. But I mean, so I'm not saying like, does anyone believe that there is a reason? I'm saying, is there a reason? Is it possible? Is it possible that anyone who would steal her phone is going to both know and give a fuck that that phone gives them access to? anything other than like $50 with which to buy drugs. I I think like, it is a like a, it would be a rare occurrence, but um I think it is not unreasonable. I've got I mean I've got stuff on my phone that like I keep a bunch of information on my phone that like there's you know there's a bunch of phone numbers. I don't necessarily just want somebody to access, yeah. have access to my R- right but address they, book. but no one who would steal your phone could do anything or would do anything with that information that you would care about. I mean, that's the, that's the, what do you mean? The odds of a person with the motivation to do whatever it is you think that somebody is going to do if they know all of your friend's phone numbers, being the person that steals your phone and then does something with it are astronomically low. Like, 
I don't know about that, especially in San Francisco. And it's, you know, is it something that's stolen or is it something that's lost? You know, does somebody, do you accidentally leave your phone or does it fall out of your pocket at a cafe and somebody picks it up and they're like, huh. What do you suppose the odds are of that happening to you? Melissa walks out of restaurants with her fucking iPad sitting on the table on a probably three or four times a day. My phone has fallen out of my pocket before. I've noticed it every time, but it only has to, I only have to not notice it once and you know. So you're going to burn the calories every time you pull your phone out of your pocket to put in the code to unlock it. I don't, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. if it was just a thumbprint, then maybe. Yeah. Right? Unnecessary levels of security. I don't even have passwords on any of my accounts. Well, you do. You leave your front door. <laughs> you leave your front door and your car always unlocked. And so... Uh, you know, you're you're living it. You're living, my physical you're my physical house is full of things that somebody might give a shit about. Okay. No thief cares about my data. I mean, that's I think that is patently false in in your case in specific. So, right, like the I think the more the more interesting uh, a person's life, the more valuable their personal data is. Right, and you've got a pretty interesting life, so. No one who would steal my computer gives a fuck about the contents of my computer. Okay. It's just not like I don't I don't understand what world people live in where they are actually afraid of something like this happening. Like I can think of one case in your life where someone having access to your computer has caused you a tremendous amount of trouble. Okay, so you're right. One specific person with an agenda to harm me did you're right. Okay. You're right. So, but this is like carrying mace so that you don't get date raped by someone that you know, right? I mean, it's like, what threat are you protecting against? You're not protect. So, like, no amount of fucking, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess you know, my computer was password protected. If somebody had walked off with the computer, they wouldn't have been able to do any of the stuff that she did by having you know access to it sitting in the house. For so long. It's a terrible story. Yes. <laughs> anyway, don't lock your phone, dummy. <laughs> the fuck? Why, That's the upshot of this. Why do you want, like, biometric bullshit? It's just not going to work. It's just another point of failure. To, it's going to say, like, that shit, I feel like one billion times out of one billion and one times, what that shit does is it prevents the user from accessing their own stuff. And there are just no cases where there is any value at all to protecting stuff like that. I just, it, it's, it is crazy to me that that is a thing that people waste a bunch of time dealing with when the odds of anything ever happening because of it are so low. Okay. I mean, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just like, let's, I'm just put it out there. Everybody steal my identity, whatever. Yep. <clears throat> one, two, two, six, oh, six, oh, six, one. So this assignment, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I had really fond memories of Norden Burt couldn't make head or tail of it. And um, I had, yeah, my memory had erased yeah. all the, the negative bits. I mean, it had some stuff in it that I thought was clever, but it also had some stuff in it that was utter bullshit. So I kept looking at, I looked at a bunch of walkthroughs and a bunch of like facts about the game. No one has any fucking clue what they're going for with the manner of speaking 
Oh yeah, that is. Oh yeah, so that was fucking so just opaque. crazy. It made oh, it was. <laughs> it, it was like they they got someone in a mental institution to make a little six room text adventure for them, and they just put it in there. Yeah, that was. I mean, fucking. The, so like the room, the, the room where you can only use any given word once. I feel like that was kind the, of interesting. The germ of the whole a, idea, or something. As a trope, except it's one of those things that's interesting until you play it, and then right. you decide not to put it in your game because it's a cool idea that is no yeah. fun at all yeah. to actually interact with. Um, and the fact that you can just a, a potentially lock yourself out of being able to complete that whole section. I mean, that really isn't any different. There are a lot of ways that you can lock yourself out of being able to complete old Infocom games, right? So it's not sure. it's not any more of a of an unforgivable sin in this one than it is in any of the other games. I mean, there are lots of ways to just get killed. Sure. In true. in other games, right? I mean, and locking, it's the same same can you, deal. Can you permanently lock yourself out of that exer- section? There's cuz I use if you use every, if you use all the synonyms for clock, so yeah. you'll never be able to pick the clock oh, up. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, I see. What and you're the, the 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 shake a tower one, there are lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. I was not able to finish that one with a walkthrough. If but if the the penalty for not getting all the points is just that that area stays in the main area list and you have to go do it again to completion if you want to get into I was under the there. impression that there were parts of it that you couldn't finish there were a bunch of one way traps in Shake a Tower right but okay well I have not and if you didn't save you and you get stuck in there you just have to start over like you can't exit the section can you all you can do is go back to the beginning I finished, drops all of your I finished Shake standing. a Tower without getting all the points I, I, right i know but but that's but that one in the market let you leave early yeah but none of the others do a uh, restaurant you can how do you leave that i mean i guess you that one you don't need all the points you yeah there's can. a completion there's stage. a completion. Yeah. yeah so i i, I took uh, <laughs> i took some notes the restaurant one was pretty rough i did not know a lot right, of the phrases yeah. i got most of it i i think i got out of the restaurant only missing three yeah what the yeah. fuck does gore the ox mean no idea that was one that I just didn't. Yeah, yeah I idiomatically. Didn't I the fact that you had to say knock the chip off the waitress's shoulder. You couldn't take the chip off. You couldn't like, and that is not knock the chip off someone's shoulder is not a fucking idiom. To have right. a chip on mm-hmm. one's shoulder yeah. is an idiom, and everything. So, like, I was stuck on the farm for a really long time because I never typed "don't cry over spilled milk." Uh-huh. I just tried variations on "cry over spilled milk." It doesn't really notify you when you get a point, except by changing the score. Yeah, yeah. So and you don't so, notice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, oh, this. You know, there's no real difference between something giving a joke, non-game state affecting response and a real. This must be what people play in Kingdom of Loathing. For like. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar problem with uh, sow your wild oats, with, because it gives a it gives a response. You haven't even met the farmer's daughter yet, and I assumed, and then silently gives you a point. And silently gives you a point. I thought uh, that was a failure state. Yep. Yep, that's uh, so did I. Yeah, I don't remember what I was missing. Oh, I was missing that it was the milk. yeah, it was the it was the same one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which one? The cry over spilled milk. It oh. was just that was the one that I, I had. Done. I had just completely missed the reference to the broadside of the barn. So yeah. I was wandering around. I missed that for one half an hour. I, missed, trying to, uh, I figured that one out, but I assumed it was like an optional. I missed gift horse in the mouth. Was mm. the other one I missed? There's a ribbon on the horse. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that and didn't make. I noticed that right at the beginning and didn't make the connection and then forgot. Yep, that the ribbon was there. Yeah. There is one thing where you can buy, you can, I think like you either pay the piper or mm-hmm. buy a pig and a poke. Yeah. 
which that to me, if they could have, huh. if they could have conceived of variations on all of those puzzles, yeah, and then, you know, well, I mean, what this what this said to me was like just just how impressive uh, Counterfeit Monkey was, mm. right? Because that that was a game which had a bunch of wordplay in it and multiple variations and on was also stuff. was also a really solid and fair and solvable yeah game. it was yeah it was it was really good and gamey and and not just kind of these just intractable puzzles like the the grocery store i figured out I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure that I that I got the uh, the whole all of the points in the grocery store on my own, and that, that's I, probably just yeah, the, the I could not figure out what level. the I could not figure out what the aunts wanted because I didn't have the insight to to swap to it turn back. the thing back. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it, it. Was weird to me that like the way that you interact with the game is like just sort of by typing words out of context. I never did it, watching you play. Was like wow, you didn't do any it of the stuff. Assumes that was... throughout the whole game, if you just type a noun, it assumes that you are examining that noun. Oh, it wow. just it just fakes the input, and I think they did that because that's what everybody was trying to do was like typing huh. the names of things that they figured out how to do. I um I didn't even play the jack of all traits thing that that one was rough. so weird yeah. and so not i figured out a couple of things i mean you get points you get points for using the device even in not in the right context mm-hmm. so i'd gotten like over half the points and i was like oh huh okay and then i went to the first area and just died a bunch of times because i was like what am i supposed to do with this device and the first thing you're supposed to do is just say jack frost right you don't use the device at all. It's not right. Which it was just so dissatisfying to me that the very first real puzzle that you have is not using this device, which the whole rest of the game is all about. I was disappointed that you couldn't covet the ass when (laughs) you see the donkey on the farm. I remember the first time I played it, I, uh, had not ever heard the phrase make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Mm. And so I had to look that up and I remembered it. This I time. don't know if I've ever heard deep sixing, deep sixing anything. I have. I mean, I clearly but, have heard it cause I played the game before, but I don't, I didn't remember right. it. Well, I mean, you might've read the hints, yeah. right? It has built in hints, which is mm. a, sure. Um, the, 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 uh, the comedy one was, I didn't get around to doing that. Oh, that one was pretty good, actually. Was it? I solved that one on my own. I got... Except for one. Yeah, I didn't... There was the last point that I didn't get. I couldn't figure out how to... And I I knew... You know, I was aware of the, like, frontal lobotomy joke. Yes. Okay, that was... But it it was just like... It was... was, I saw it at the very beginning of the game and then didn't actually think to do it. Yeah. That was the... I mean, it's just... it's, It's... Like... Is the backstroke the only answer... Mm-hmm. that gets you the point for that yeah. because that is super fucking weird because like I get that that's a kind of a common joke yeah that like I knew it immediately you know, it's, it's, well sure but I mean it, it's knowing something and believing that there is a that reason to assume it. that the audience would know it are two very different things right? I mean like, they assumed a lot of crazy things yeah. in this game that to me felt especially specific as, a, as an huh. idiot because it's not really like an, an idiom it's like a single joke Right, and it's not even like I feel like that's it's not like as quite knock, as universal a joke as "Why did the chicken cross the road?" or "Take my wife, please." The other knock knock jokes you don't need to know. You just need to know the format. You need to know the format. Yeah. Yep. 
So if your only exposure to knock knock jokes is, say, interrupting cow or the one where you make the other person start, right? You know, like if you're if you're only familiar with a trope in the in terms of its subversions, then then you're fucked there. But right, I don't. It was a little. That one was rough, but not. It also just wasn't very gamey. It was just no. sort of like a list of things to do. The grocery store felt like a game. The yep. farm yeah. felt like a game. Like yep. those were the ones that I felt like were fair. Spoonerism one. Not so much a game, yeah. but but was I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the wordplay in there pretty pretty I well. I thought it was weird that some of them you could leave early and some of them you couldn't. Yeah, I mean, I think they all should have been situations where you could have you could leave early. Mm. I mean, the I fact would have that actually preferred it the other way. Really? I was, it was super dissatisfying to to be just stuck. I was annoyed at leaving the restaurant before I'd found everything. I would have preferred huh. to but be... you can go back in and earn the rest of the points. You don't have to start over. Oh, it doesn't start over when you go no. back in? Oh, uh, okay. All right. Objection over. You just... All there. your items drop on the floor. So if you've collected stuff, you have to pick them back when up. And you get the... All you need is the title that it grants you when you finish. And knowing the title is enough to get you... Like, if you know all of the titles that it grants you, you can just go to the mayor the moment you load the game what does he i i because i didn't even bother just going like I, you know i know i noticed you haven't finished the farm yet if you did it in the past and you tell me what title it bestowed upon you then i'll let you in and it just oh, asks weird. you that for all the ones that you don't have finished um so you know just look at a walkthrough and <laughs> huh. then you don't have to so what's, what's the game shake for the mayor um it's just another more it's idioms. it's more idioms but they're it's it's they're pretty they're pretty obscure, really obscure. <laughs> they get really weird um, I mean, some of them are less weird than some of the weirder ones in the restaurant. Yeah. It's like there are a bunch of things that you're not allowed to do, like you want to get a six pack of beer off the floor, but you're not allowed to steal it. And up above it is a like a chart, which is like a bunch of uh, it's, it's labeled pretenses and then a bunch of the four like false statements. And so you take the, the six pack under false pretenses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're, and they're all kind of like that. There's another wow. one. That you find a blessing and a disguise, and then you have to put the, the blessing, blessing in the disguise, disguise, which is, you know, it's whatever. Well, I like that. I like that the a lot, other, There was another one, though. There was something else you couldn't do outside unless you you, you couldn't <laughs> you get, get horn. The, you yeah. had to take possession of horn because, because there was possession a, is nine. There's a thing that says possession is nine-tenths of the. Well, because there, oh, there, wow. there was a law, which is the ten rules, but there were only the, the first nine laws. I enjoyed... <sighs> I enjoyed reading The Waitress, The Riot Act. Right. I thought that one was funny. Yeah. Take umbrage with her. Yeah. Kind of funny, too. Um, but, I mean, like the make a laughing stock of the cook, I think I never would have figured out. There must have been something in the text that clued it. Uh, I the, think the, the, label. the label on the can was, yeah. was laughing stock. Yeah. Yeah. Gore the Ox is just, I, do, I don't know what yeah, that means. What that and I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some idioms that I feel like I should have known, and then there were some idioms that I did not feel bad having to look up. So, I I like the idea of this game a lot, but man, it didn't it was, sell for shit. Apparently, well, they never and they didn't really ever bother putting it in any of the like classics of Infocom. I think because if somebody tried to play it now, they'd be like, "What the fuck." <laughs> they don't want. I don't think. I don't think Infocom wants anybody to buy this game and for it to be the first thing that they play. <laughs> It's also it's one of those things we talked about this a little bit on the on the KOL podcast how hard it is to sort of gauge the difficulty yeah. of mm. things that rely on such a wide set of player skills and this is 
you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, remember, I was reading in some of the stuff that was written about this. Like, if you were not a native English speaker, oh, you're this is just yeah, a no. total waste of time. Yeah. Even if you were a native English speaker, you might you might get stuck and just never be able to progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're like if the Invisiclues didn't exist, I think I think most people who played it would probably never finish it. I mean, I think it had the hints built in the whole time. I mean, but weren't they just the standard like Infocom Invisiclues? Well. Nordenburg I mean, was one of like, their last games, yeah. So it might have been after the point with it. Interesting. It's guy... interesting though that they would have this problem though, because I remember there was like a lot of people were upset about a baseball puzzle in Zork Three hmm. because it was one that non-Americans had a ton of trouble with. Oh, and so you would think that they would. Recognize, recognize that they had a huge following to, in Britain. Yeah, not to create those sorts of problems again in future games. I, I mean, I for a little while, I assumed that some of these phrases were just British, and that's why I hadn't heard them. Mm. So, you know. None of, none of the Infocom guys were British, were they? No, but, like, why not put British English in there? Just I, mean, I figured, if anything, this. they're weird MIT slang. <laughs> yeah, that's that you would have known. L- lurking horror. You had to hack a tunnel. Yep. To hack the planet. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. I I sort of wish that I hadn't played this again because it, my <laughs> memories of it are now eh, tainted. We got some interesting discussion about it. <laughs> sure, sure. So next week's assignment. Yes. Uh, on Riff's suggestion. Uh, this is another Indicate nominee. Yeah. And this is an Indicate nominee. Well, it's not. I mean, it's the same. They're an official selection. Oh. Um, but it's called Seven Grand Steps. So this game is at least as bad as Word Realms. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's available on Windows, Mac, and Linux. I think yeah. it's 15 bucks. So It's sort of a sort of a single-player board game. Slot machine board game history ancestry simulator. Okay. By the people that did uh, Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble. Okay. So I, I played the demo before the full game came out a while back and it seemed pretty interesting okay we're gonna give it a shot indeed how would you guys like to read some listeners mail okay i would like that uh aiden mclennan says all right chaps love the podcast just thought i'd chime in with a well actually the red liquid in meat is actually myoglobin i think it might also be called interstitial liquid or something and not blood as most people assume keep up the good work well, fine. Oh. I'm not a vampire. I am a, I am a <laughs> myoglobinist. Myoglobin addict. I'm a myoglobin addicted uh, sunlight allergic. So, immortal mist man. I've been making all of my <laughs> all of my hit point potions out of the meat drippings. <laughs> And if I just not been getting real hit points, is I that don't what's... think so. I think that you, what you, think you're you mistaking cholesterol, you're mistaking cholesterol for hit points. You're just replacing your blood with cholesterol. Okay. Um, I mean, it's probably fine. I can't yeah. imagine any meaningful way in which that's going to catch up with you. Okay. All right. Michael Clorfeld says, because I figured y'all, or at least Zach, would appreciate this. When I was in preschool, there was a kid whose mother had to come pick him up because he zipped his fly on his dick. And no one would touch him, maybe because of liability or sexual harassment concerns. So when his mom showed up, he was still like that. Oh. That's pretty good. God. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, Alicia writes. Um, oh, weird. Sorry. Okay. Uh, 
I feel like I learned about Lords, Lords of Waterdeep here on Video Games Hot Dog, but I listen to so many KOL and Hot Dog podcasts, I really don't know. Anyway, I pre-ordered Scoundrels of Skullport, the Lords of Waterdeep expansion, two months ago, and now on the expected delivery date, I find after digging through the wacky new Gmail interface that I was notified earlier today that Amazon didn't have enough product to fill my order. They don't even have an estimated delivery date at this time. I try not to be this person, but this was really disappointing, and I want not so much to blame someone, but at least a good explanation. Neither Amazon nor Wizards of the Coast is offering one, though, and I see almost 30 non-Amazon Prime new or used sales of the game. Fucking arbitrage. I understand there may have been production issues or higher sales than expected, but didn't anybody realize this in a timely manner to notify people or to have put together a thoughtful statement today? I think it's possible. I'm not to interrupt the, the question. Remember. I think it's possible that, that there are a lot of uh, publishers that are not letting Amazon sell stuff at first. There are games that I saw at, um, at PAX that are available in local game stores and not on Amazon. And I wonder if that's just some like some sort of last ditch effort to try to save the local game store. But that that might be why this is happening. And Amazon just doesn't want to cop to the fact that they're getting uh, second shift here or whatever. Second shift, second, second short, billing. Short shift. I mean, I, you know, it. <sighs> If that's what they were going for, it worked, it worked on, on me, yeah. right? Because I just bought it. I saw a copy of it at our local game store, paid almost double the price for it and canceled the Amazon pre-order because it was just like, you know, they kept pushing back when they were going to send it. This happened to both of us. Like both both I and you pre-ordered the expansion and then just yep. was like, oh, you're not going to get it. I had to keep changing the order because they kept saying, well, that's gonna now it's going to be delivered while you're in San Francisco. Now it's going to be delivered while you're in Phoenix. Now it's going to be delivered while you're in San Francisco again. I'm like, fuck. Yep. Um, as she continues, I asked all this realizing the KOL hot dog crew has nothing to do with this game beyond turning me on to its awesomeness in the first place. I asked because you have perspective both as game lovers and game creators and distributors. I feel like a cozy, we had problems, but we're doing our best and we'll come through eventually message would have done wonders for this situation. I expect none of us know what promises were made between Watsi and Amazon and who, if anyone, fell through on their end to create the situation. I just feel left out in the cold and disappointed with multiple companies I held in fairly high regard. Can you provide any perspective on this that may salve my pain? I mean, I don't know that I don't know that Wizards of the Coast, like the manufacturer, is not going to have any idea who this happened to. I, I know, so but they're I mean, not like, going to be able to talk to them. Hasn't Watsi done this with other with certain D and D books in the past? Well, they, they so there was a thing, but they didn't like make it available for pre order on Amazon and then suddenly pull the rug out from under it, right? Yeah, that Mordenkainen's Magnificent Emporium book that was released only to uh, only to brick and mortar stores was a thing that they did. Right. right. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, this one, I don't really understand what happened. And I don't know. You know, I don't expect Amazon to be honest with me about anything. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't feel like I have any kind of a trust relationship with them. Like, it's too big and faceless. And I don't I just don't feel like I am entitled to that with Wizards of the Coast either. Like, I mean, so you just don't feel like you have any like because they're a huge sort of faceless corporation, you'd feel like. They haven't. They're not. They're not beholden to you in some well, way. I feel like expect whether or not they should be is a different question than whether or not they are. I feel like expecting honesty out of anyone is sort of silly. I would. I would expect them not to lie to me, but I don't expect them to say anything to me. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's if they ever said anything to me, I would expect that to be the truth. But sure. Yeah. But. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I feel like we go out of our way to be really honest with our customers about our mistakes. And 
I think we are small enough and personal enough that we don't have to worry about it, like damaging our brand. Yeah. You know, whereas it's like, I feel like even like an outfit as big as some, like, you know, like a penny arcade, for instance, Mm -hmm. like, I think you're better off saying nothing than being honest about your mistakes in a situation like that, because you're just opening yourself up to the least favorable possible interpretation of everything. And, you know, I mean, that happens to us all the time. Like, you know, earlier today, we got kind of called out on the carpet for admitting that revenue had something to do with the decision that we made. And so then it's like, oh, so you're saying that all of your decisions are going to be based on (laughs) revenue from now on, huh? You fucking greedy I think sort of in in a flip statement, you're not being particularly generous. I know. (laughs) Towards that statement. Well, yeah, I know. I know, but that's, that's... So, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And I mean, I don't... If I were the kind of person that, you know, bought one board game a year, I would be pretty pissed off that if I wanted this, I had to, you know, go down to the store and pay twice as much for it, I guess. I mean, it's not... I mean, in a holistic sense, you don't feel like it's okay to give local gaming stores a bit of a an advantage in this case? I mean, I think that we've had this conversation before. I don't, I don't believe that there's anything inherently virtuous about retail. No. Okay, and I agree with that, but local gaming stores are not just usually at least not just retail establishments. They're they are often the good ones are often locations that are try to foster a community of gamers cuz like Right, they do, but that like, The reason that these the reason that conventions like like Dragon Con and Gen Con and PAX are so popular, I think, is that there are a lot of people who don't have enough people around them that want to play games all the time, right? So, like, they need these local... They need local places to gather and play But those places have never been profitable. They've always... It's like some nerd gets enough money to open it and operate for a while, and then people come in and just sit around stinking up the place and playing magic and not buying anything until they go out of business. Like, that's just what local game stores are, is inherently not sustainable as businesses like it's like every idea that some nerd has for like a thing that would be really awesome like yeah it would be really awesome if there were 20 times as many nerds in this town or if the nerds in this town had 10 times as much money and were willing to spend it on this thing Hmm. you know and it's and it's like it's really like when you are deliberately appealing to such a niche and you know a niche full of people who are really enthusiastic and also like really thrifty in a lot of cases it's i think just kind of fucked you know and i don't understand how game depot stays in business you know they hmm. they seem like they've they operate they operate really narrow it's like the owners they're, are they're always local, there the Arizona owners are always working there, store right? and it's a yeah i don't know i mean they have half of their store is dedicated to to like tables that people can come and play games on I mean, I went in there and I felt, you know, I feel bad because I keep going in there and spending like $3 because all I ever go there for is to buy card sleeves for prototyping. Right. Um, you know, and so I don't mind buying a game, but I feel stupid. Every time, every time I buy a game for $30 more than it would have cost me to get it on Amazon, you know, and then I don't play it for four days. So it would have gotten to me in just the same amount of time. Like it just makes me feel foolish. 
know, it makes me feel like I've gotten ripped off. Interesting. In a way that if I had just said, hey, I'd like to, you know. Just if justify they it to yourself by that you're supporting a local business. Yeah, but for whatever reason, doing that in a way that I know is economically disadvantageous to myself, right? If it was just like, hey, how'd you like to sign up for this sponsor our local game store? Pro-? Like, if they if they had a thing where I got nothing for just subscribing to that store for $20 a month. And what I, uh-huh. what I got was like, what I got was some free promotional trinket once a month. Yeah. I would probably do it. I would just have that automatically deducted from my checking account. And then I would be a patron of the local game store or whatever. And I would feel fine about that. But actually buying stuff for way more than it costs just so that they can, they're getting less than I'm losing. Right. Like that's the, that's the thing. Like it's not, it is not Pareto superior. And I, I only want to engage in transactions that are Pareto superior. Okay. That's it. That's it. That's all. I'm unwilling. This is my, this is my dick stabbing. This is my, this wow. is my, uh, this is my optimization. I fucking hate commerce. I just hate it. And like, I mean, how would you organize the world? I don't know. Cause it's, it is pretty fundamental just to the way that most things happen. If, I mean, if, unless it, you can come up with a good alternative, I, I can't well, subscribe to your newsletter. Tribal, tribal bartering where mm. every transaction is Pareto superior. I like those cowrie shells. They're kind of cool. Those giant stone coins like eight feet across. <laughs> yeah, East, uh, Easter Island, that was all just the leftover currency. That's, that was all the money that like fell under Easter the couch. Easter Island is just some dude's wallet. Right. <laughs> Uh, Matt writes, in the recent podcast, you expressed a wish for somebody to explain how the hell, sir, you're being hunted works. So here goes. Oh, when good. you start the game, there's normally a village nearby that is visible and not immediately being patrolled by robots. Quite simply, what you find in that village determines if the rest of the game will be playable or nearly impossible. Huh. Unless you find a weapon like a pistol, shotgun, or tooth traps, those things that when you step on the jaws, the slam shot like a Venus flytrap. Uh, on the basis of your comments on the podcast, I'm assuming you have been unfortunate not to find any. If you watch the development videos on the Kickstarter page, you can see a number of combat tactics for dealing with robots once you have a weapon. I'd recommend not using an axe to kill a robot unless you are damn certain it is on its own. The main tactic is to sneak up on other villages slowly, wait until, they're, wait until the robots are wandering the main high street and sneaking to the back doors and then running back to cover. You should always have grassy ferns as the middle island. Uh, the other thing to consider is that down one end, sometimes both, there is normal, there's normally a pile of wood that you can use uh, matches on to set on fire in order to cook some of the foods. Uh, lighting one of these is like a moth to your monitor screen at night, and one tactic is to light one, run to cover, and then creep around while all the robots in the area investigate the fire. You can then go to the other side of the village or run for it completely. So that's, hmm. that's handy. Yeah. Um, once the robots find a meteorite, they hang around it more or less indefinitely as they know that's what you're after. But if you're prepared to wait long enough, they will eventually examine an area and move on. I watch them to see where they have looked and then slowly creep to that area knowing they probably won't look there again for a while. Uh, well, thank you, Mr. Hmm. Nee. That's a way more... Interesting. Well, yeah, and way more like slow and real stealth as opposed to just yeah. watching like the the pathing AI. Yeah, yeah, like... But I almost said Monster Hunter... Metal Gear Solid. Hmm. Those are pretty similar, <laughs> I think. Uh, Metal Gear? Louis Clark says, uh, Zach said something about 140th of a snorkel or something in the last episode. I think I was half asleep. And it made me think of something that Final Fantasy III did to me on the Super Nintendo. Granted, this was all because of my age at the time. But in the auction house, one of the bullshit junk items you can win is something like a 132nd soldier. I spent so much time trying to get 32 of them because <laughs> I didn't understand that it was a scaled-down toy. I'm kind of dumb. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. 
Uh, well, guys, uh, this is a little short, but uh, it's also a week episode. <laughs> so that's fine. I think people will be as glad as I am that it's over. Uh, if somebody wanted to send us some uh, listeners mail, how would they go about doing that? Kevin? Uh, you you are amazing in that uh, when you are displeased with something, uh, you just go all out, even if it's something that you spent some some time and effort making. <laughs> Instead that, of just instead of just being positive about things, I can't operate under the assumption that my time and effort are worth anything. I'm okay. Sorry. So this well, uh, if you think that our time and effort is worth something, you should uh, you should uh, ask us some questions. Uh, tell us what's on your mind. You can tweet us at VG Hot Dog. You can email us vghotdog at gmail You can take place in uh, discussions on the forum, which are always interesting and lively. Uh, we, got, we got good forum goers. Um, they are accessible via a link on videogameshotdog.com. Yeah, you can talk with Doglord420 about the newest Humble Bundle. Yep. That's something that's going on today. Yep. You know what is great? Everything that, uh, everything that we make is garbage, but you know something that is fucking amazing? <clears throat> this thumb drive, if you take a the little lid off of it, yep. the lid snaps onto the other end to hold it in place so that you don't lose it while it's plugged in to the computer. It's like they've used whatever. a pen before. <laughs> it's, Bye, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. Didn't you have part of your head removed? Did you not have honey in that tea? I don't think I did. No, I just okay. had a lot of opiates. Okay. Um, it's like it's like the honey of the masses. <laughs> <clears throat> You know, it's just, Damascus honey. That's what uh, that's that's what I refer to uh, hydrocodone as. We could probably get rid of IVs in hospitals if everyone just did some tree panning. You know. Okay, I thought you were going to yeah. suggest uh, deliver drugs via bee. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that, like, okay, this man, actually, now, now I especially don't like. No, hospitals. this is this is a great idea actually because we need to we need to you know invest in our bee. Uh, our national bee mm. infrastructure. So and you just need to find the, bee the delivery, genetic bee codes to, to get to turn a bee's poison into whatever uh, oh, yeah. drug you yeah, need. Into whatever you administer to people who are allergic to bee stings. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> this guy got stung by one of the normal bees. Get one of the EpiPen bees. So you're, you're it... going to need some antibiotics. I need you to put your hand in this box and wave it around violently. <laughs> Is uh... Oh, no smoking in here. It's not that it's unsafe. <laughs> it's that it makes the medicine ineffective. <laughs>